everybody this is the orange black insider Bengals podcast coming at you courtesy of cincy jungle and its podcast network we have a couple of special guests with us today one of which is mr jason garrison who you've recognized from the three and out podcast jason how are you my friend i'm good thanks for having me i'm i'm tired we got a uh, a new puppy for the kids for their birthday and he's keeping us up uh throughout the night but it's good it's it's a good it's a good reason for lack of sleep that's that's what it is what kind of pup is it again? Golden Retriever. Golden Retriever. Golden Retriever. So tons of energy, I would yes. assume, correct? Yes. Tons of energy. And my plan was to bring him home and name him Joe, uh, <laughs> you know, and train him. Did that come to fruition? Did it come to fruition? I was vetoed because oh! the, the kids the kids both wanted to name him Biscuit. So Biscuit. Biscuit okay. it is. Right name. Well, yeah. I got I got to tell you maybe that is this maybe this wasn't the right week to name him Joe anyway. Yeah. Uh his namesake based on some things. That, well, it's always a good idea to name him after Joe Burrow. We know right. that, but regardless. But joining us for the first time on the show, long overdue, he has recently joined us over at Cincy Jungle on the writing side hoping to do a little bit more on the podcast side. You've seen him on WNKY TV, Mr. Patrick Carey. How are you, sir? Welcome to the show. Man, I'm great. It's it's good to finally be here. You know, we've tried for a few weeks to make it work. It hasn't worked out, but super stoked to to join. And you know, I've always told Anthony that I've I've watched him for years, so it's it's cool to to finally join the podcast. Anthony, you're you're on mute, buddy. I thought I was unmuted. I said, I appreciate that, Patrick. Uh, here I am. You're sitting here telling me about how you watch me, and I'm sitting here making rookie mistakes here. Uh, I, I said, I appreciate that, Patrick. Yeah, you're making me feel a little bit like an old fart around here, but that's all right. I appreciate it. I appreciate your support. We are we are super stoked to have you aboard Cincy Jungle. You, Jason, Jason, Markham, and many, many, many others uh, comprise a great Great slate of writers, and uh, hopefully, like I said, we can get you contributing more on the podcast. We appreciate it. I have to apologize to our listeners. I know, um, you know, quite a few of you do tune in for us for either, you know, kind of to break down some breaking news or recent news, that sort of thing. We had every intention of going live, uh, myself or others, this weekend to talk about a number of different things. Unfortunately, some family scheduled things and different things prohibited me to do that. You know, usually we are right on top of that, but... Because So I'm sorry to our listeners that we weren't on top of some of this stuff this time around. Usually we're right on top of it, and we're going to keep bringing you all kinds of different content. That being said, I do want to get to a lot of different stuff. And, of course, the big story, as we all know, is Joe Burrow's calf injury. Now, when I – you know, I, I was taking off uh, Friday, and so I, I obviously caught the, the news and, you know, caught bits and pieces since over the next couple of days – my impression was, and I want to get both your guys' take on this. My impression was that 
you look at him practicing on Friday when he sustained that injury, he had a calf sleeve on the area in which he sustained the injury. And so you're, at least I was led to believe that there was maybe, and I don't know that this has really come out so much, but there was some sort of an issue going into that practice, whether it was a little bit of a, a twinge or a pain or what, what, whatever was going on there that caused him. And obviously the humidity and the heat, right? Um, so maybe that caused him to, to put that on and avoid some cramps, that sort of thing. And then of course he rolled out on a play and the thing just, you know, kind of strained on him. And so that was my impression. Uh, Patrick, I'm going to let you bat lead off on this one here. I know you, you you both have written some stuff on Cincy Jungle about the injury and other things going on at training camp. So, Patrick, talk to us a little bit about your impressions of it and what was coming out Friday. Yeah, I think the first thing, the biggest one that you hit on was that he was already wearing a calf sleeve, which helps with maybe some discomfort he was already having. So the question that I had instantly was, has he already aggravated it and did he re-aggravate it, almost making it worse in that specific play? I think that was the biggest question. And obviously, like you said, with the heat and humidity, it makes your muscles much more tense. And the concern I had instantly was how long has he had this issue? And with that length of it, did it make it worse in that very moment? So my, you I mean, my concern, Jason, was that if he did have something going into this, uh, you know, you know, Joe Burrow, um, you know, you know, his mindset, he's kind of got the, uh, you know, someone I talked to recently made the comparison of him to, to actually of all people, not Peyton Manning, not Tom Brady, but actually Kobe Bryant. And based on his mindset and approach to the it. game. Yeah. yeah. And uh, which I found interesting and we may or may not talk about that on Wednesday uh, this week, uh, but regardless of that, the point is, is he's just got that. I, I'm going to go, I'm going to go, you know, hundred percent all the time. And so Jason, my worry was that, I think the narrative going into this camp and maybe Joe, as much as he likes to tune stuff out and kind of live in his own, you know, tunnel vision type of world, there's probably in the back of his mind, Hey, I haven't had a normal training camp. I haven't had a full training camp, whether it's COVID my knee, the appendix, any of that. So if I got a little bit of cramps or twinge or whatever, that's not, doesn't seem that serious on Thursday after practice, I'm going to push through it and I'm still going to play. Maybe I'll go a little lighter on Friday, I don't know if that was his case. It wouldn't surprise me if that was the mindset. But as we sit here now, I'm going, oh, man, that's just a crusher for for not only all of us, but for Joe Burrow, too. Yeah. And I don't I I don't know if it's if that was the the mindset is, you know, oh, I you know, I've had some cramping issue with with my calf and I'm going to, you know, I I should sit out, but I don't want to sit out. I don't know if that if that's what it was Um, either way. I based on the tweet that I just saw from Mike Mike uh, Petraglia, um, it says Joe Burrow is in the locker room at the, at his locker with a sleeve on his right calf, walking with no limp. Um, so I don't know if he, he's going to be back sooner. I, I don't want him to be back. I just want ease him back in. He doesn't have to play in the preseason, as far as I'm concerned. But um, yeah, I you know I wouldn't be surprised if he found out that he maybe should have sat you know, for a day and didn't want to. So. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm going to pull up the tweet here as well for, um, from Mike Petralia. I, I guess what the, the next thing, and we'll get, we'll get to some other news and notes and stuff too. I don't want to linger too, too long on this. Cause this has been obviously a lot of uh, headlines And here. Here's kind of the key thing here. Joe Burrow's in the locker room at his locker um, at, at Trags, T-R-A-G-S, who does a great job covering the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, as a beat writer here, Joe Burrow's in the locker room, and this is as of Monday afternoon. 
uh, at his locker room with the sleeve on his right calf, walking with no limp. So that, of course, is great news. So then we had the news over the weekend, Patrick, that Zach Taylor comes out and says, hey, it's going to be several weeks. I guess my question is, when you see the when you see and read and hear about the injury, when you see what you saw at training camp and, you know, the cart comes out, and then, of course, you hear the word several in terms of weeks being out, for, for Joe Burrow, what does several mean to you? What When you hear that, what is, what is your level of expectation in terms of amount of time missed by Joe Burrow? I think the, the craziest part about all that, obviously outside of the Joe Burrow injury in that practice was the debate that was being had on Twitter with how many people were breaking down what several meant. And I think for me, I think several is three or more weeks, I think is what it would be. And kind of like what Jason just said, I don't see any reason for him to need to rush back. Um, he's done just fine missing these training camps, unfortunately. I hate to say that, but um, I, I don't see him playing in training camp anymore, and I don't see him in playing in uh, preseason. Jason, what, is, what does several mean to you? I mean, several could be, if, uh, you know, three weeks, four weeks, five weeks, all the, way up, uh, all the way up until, you know, week one. If I'm sitting here saying that, there's my there's my little guy back there. If I'm sitting here looking at this, uh, you can see the source of the noise. But if I'm if I'm looking at this personally, I don't see six weeks all the way up to week one, knowing who Joe no. is and knowing the the uh, thinking about the severity or maybe even I hate to say it this way, a little bit of lack thereof. Um, you know, this isn't a tear, this isn't an Achilles thing, this isn't all. That. I, I kind of say, hey, you know, maybe the first two preseason games, most of training camp, but then maybe some work in if everything goes according to plan. Maybe some work in that right. final preseason game to knock off some of that rust and go from there. So this is embarrassing because I got I got kind of called out on Twitter a couple times because to me, and I don't know if I was just raised wrong or or if I forgot, but several to me has always meant like twelve, and I, and now and now I know that that's not right, you know. But I always thought <laughs> like a, a, like a couple is two or three, a few is four or five, and several is twelve, like a dozen, and. Um, I'm so glad that's not the case because when I first saw it came out that he was going to miss several weeks, I was like, Oh my gosh, you know, they're going to have to go sign Carson Wentz and all this stuff. And it's going to be a mess, but that's not the case. Several obviously does not mean 12. It means three or four, but yeah, I would not be surprised if he was capable of playing in the preseason, the whole thing. And he just doesn't. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that, you know, four or five weeks, maybe even less than that, especially if he's walking around without a limp now, because the last I heard before that is he had a crutch. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, you know, three or four weeks, something like that. And then maybe get some action or a series or two in the last preseason game, maybe. Uh, but it's not necessary, you know, a Super Bowl and losing the AFC championship game to the eventual Super Bowl winners on a last second field goal with no work in the, in the off season or in the preseason. Uh, I don't know if preseason is necessary for him. It's nice, but I don't know if it's necessary. Your, your amount of worry, and I'll get to you too on this, Patrick, your amount of worry on the the slow start thing and that narrative given this injury and him missing time in training camp. Let's hope, you know, everything goes, he's going to play week one, all that kind of stuff. I think that's the expectation. That's what everybody's hoping for and expecting. But let's look at this and go, okay, well, what about, uh, what, what about the slow start? Because – Last year, maybe you could afford it a little bit. You know, I mean, you dropped the one against Dallas. That's an interconference game. Of course, the first game was just like, whatever. That was a weird, weird thing. But this year, again, you got two AFC North games right out of the gate. And so, to me, you got to take care of business. So, this slow start thing, 
can't afford to be had again. I mean, are you worried about that? Or is it now Joe Burrow year four, some of these guys year three, year two, year four? You know what I mean? I don't know. Uh, are, you, are you comfortable if he does miss most of training camp, some or all of preseason? I mean, I I am and I'm not. I, I would like to it, – it's obvious that last year the, the offense was not – you know, firing all on our on sorry, firing on all cylinders at all uh, in the first couple of games, and they barely lost those two games. Uh, but this year, playing the Browns and the Ravens, I'd really like to get them. I'd like them to get off to a hot start. Um, and if that means that Joe Burrow is going to have to to get back on the field and and do some more work, then then that's what that means, and I'd be fine with that. If if they're saying we have to take it easy and, you know, we don't want to risk any further injury, you know, if it's a grade one strain or something like that, and they're saying, hey, we don't want it to be a grade two or grade three heading into the season, then I could possibly see a scenario where they say, you know, this, those first two games, if we win, great. If we lose, we'll make up for it later. Um, but being two AFC North games, I'm hoping that he gets some work in and, and then they come out, you know, firing which was the opposite of what they did last year. Yeah, Patrick, um, you know, for, for me, I think the big difference this offseason, whether or not Joe Burrow gets extensive work or not, is the cohesion along the offensive line. You do bring right. in technically, you know, two new starters, I guess, if you count the right tackle. Let's say Jonah Williams wins that job. Um, but then you've got Orlando Brown, new guy. But, you know, I mean, these are still veteran guys, guys who are playing – one guy may be playing a little bit of an unnatural position, but I mean, the, the last year you're talking about a complete overhaul and you had the quote from Ted Karras earlier this off season saying we're quote unquote miles ahead of where we were last off season, I guess, in terms of cohesion, that's one thing that kind of keeps my mind at ease a little bit with all of this. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. I don't think there's any debate that this is hands down the best offensive line borough seen uh, since joining Cincinnati, but kind of going back to what Jason said, you know, I don't think Burrow absolutely needs to have these these series going into the season, but you worry because of how it started last year going against the Browns in Cleveland and then your home opener is against a hungry Baltimore Ravens team. So there is that worry in the back of your mind of, okay, if Burrow comes out slow, are we going to start 0-2 right out of the get-go in, in the AFC North? And that is what I think everybody's biggest question is. But going back to the offensive line, I think if Burrow can get – healthy and be just fine this offensive line is going to make a massive impact on whether he starts slow or not yeah that's a good point now i mean the the other thing that i think may give i mean you mentioned a name jason um of you know carson wentz and a lot of people were talking teddy yeah. bridgewater and all these other players you know coming in and making sure there's a guy you know if you need a starter right now it's going to be one of these veteran guys well they went and got a guy but it's not necessarily one of the big name guys I looked up, uh, you know, I read up on on Reed Sennett, uh, I guess, a, a little bit. Um, and, you know, I was trying to find some correlations. He was with the Eagles, but he was there before uh, Press Taylor left. You know, Zach Taylor's brother was there. Um, so I think there, there wasn't overlap there. Um, you guys can, can maybe fill in some of the blanks there. I didn't see a ton of, you know, uh, you, you know, the NFL is a bit of a who, who you know league, who you've played for, all that kind of stuff. Uh, maybe you guys, and I'll start with you again, Patrick, maybe you guys can fill in a little bit more on this. I couldn't really see a ton, at least a, a, a very first blush research in, in terms of connection there, aside from maybe a guy they, they liked in the XFL, correct? Um, so mm -hmm. uh, a guy that, that they feel that, you know, could be a developmental, developmental guy behind Jake Browning, et cetera. 
Yeah, I don't know much about him. I think that this was a signing to kind of show that they're not too stressed about Burrow going into week right. one. Um, I think it's more of a just a competition signing and giving somebody else an opportunity to kind of put some pressure on the guys that they have in the building right now. And that was kind of my takeaway from that signing is, okay, they're not going to sign a big-name guy. We don't have to really worry about, as of right now, Burrow missing a few weeks in the season because, again, I see this being a signing to maybe be a competition spot for that third, that second or third string position. Yeah, that's what I think, too. I mean, it, had they brought in or even even entertained the idea, like bringing in uh, Carson Wentz or Teddy Bridgewater for a right. – uh, just for a workout, it, I, it kind of would have freaked me out a little bit. But the fact that they just kind of sat on their hands and said, you know, we're not worried about it. Bringing in Reed Sinet, right? It might likely a camp body. Maybe he competes for that third, that emergency quarterback spot. You know what I mean? That's that's about it. And and by them just doing that, I think that it's clear that they're not concerned. So I'm not concerned. Yeah, and there is also, I think, uh, this this year is the new, if I'm not mistaken, there's the new rule of the uh, the active quarterback, the extra quarterback yeah. on the roster, active quarterback rule. So. You know, I think they're kind of maybe tinkering with options on that front too. So, yeah, I mean, this is not not that I. Sorry, Reed Sinet. I'm sure you're a great player, but not not that I. Uh, you know, not that I'm doubting him or his abilities. It's more just like you know, with all the veteran options, the guys who have started a number of games in the league, you kind of say, okay, well, maybe maybe that's where they would have gone for an emergency, or they feel that great about Trevor Simeon as well, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I they they liked that that signing when they made it, I, I think that was a smart signing as well, especially now with hindsight being 2020 and dealing with everything that everybody's dealing with, with this Joe Burrow injury. Yeah. I, you know, I, I'm trying to find it. Um, I, I looked up Reed Sinet's, um RAS score and it's really, it's, it's incomplete. It's, there's really nothing there. And I'm trying to find like a 40 time and I'm having a heart, a four, eight, four. Okay. So I, the only other thing that I thought of is is possibly maybe they brought him in here and and maybe they put him on the practice squad something like that and he's there you know we got to play Lamar Jackson twice a year we like the defense to 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 go up against someone who can run the ball a little bit you know something like that I but I I don't know I don't really know anything about Reedsonet outside of the fact he played at Georgia Tech and in the XFL for a while I didn't even know he was with the Eagles so. Obviously, I'm uh, yeah, I, I think yeah, I think he had a <laughs> cup of coffee there, and like I said, there wasn't the because I was looking for maybe a Press Taylor, you know, uh, crossover or something like that, and there was it was right. kind of passing ships, right? I mean, it just they they missed each other at that area, so I just kind of was looking for a little bit more, a uh, little bit more. Um, I, I, we we got some questions here. You guys have been a little closer to this to the stories, especially the last couple of days. Terrell Basham's injury. Do either of you have some insight on uh, on Basham's injury? Was that today or was that I, – I, I can't remember. No. Uh, that was, was last week, I think. Yeah, 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 that's right, yeah. Yeah, Patrick, I'm, I'm going to defer to you. I, I really don't have any information on, on uh, Basham. I have not looked in-depthly on that much at all. Um, I, I got nothing for you on that one. Okay, well, sorry, sorry about that, Brian. Brian's asking about that. We'll look a little further into that. We'll look, we'll look a little further into that. Obviously, you know, that not being front headline news probably isn't something super devastating. I do remember reading that um, over the weekend. Like I said, the, my weekend was a bit of a whirlwind, so I apologize. But um, yeah. I, I we'll, we'll we'll try and find some more info and updates on that for you. And then, of course. Um, Guys, back together Saturday. Were either of you there in person um, for this for this great event? I know you had to have tickets and all that kind of stuff, unless 
you're a super mega VIP, which we all are. You know, the three of us are, are big VIPs, big wigs. But oh, yeah. uh, I was right. I was not there. But um, I, I don't know. The latest, latest and greatest from that. I know, obviously, that's kind of you know, it's it's a glorified practice or scrimmage, right? Um, it seems as if though, guys, the DJs, the rookie DJs, are really shining in this year's camp. Uh, DJ DJ Ivy and and Turner making some plays. Turner's been making plays with the twos quite a bit, and Ivy has a couple of interceptions and a few pass breakups and drills and scrimmages and whatnot. So that is good to see. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I was not there. I had tickets. I was going to go. I ended up uh, giving them away to a to. Oh, I ended up giving them away because uh, we got news that we could go get this puppy. So that's that's why we weren't there. Um, but priorities, yeah, Jason. Priorities. Priority. I know, now. I know, I know, I know. But uh, no, but like what you said about the the DJs. Uh, I think we all knew DJ Turner. I I really liked that pick. I didn't really know anything about DJ Ivy coming out of Miami. Uh, he's got some long arms, and he seems to be you know physical. Uh, seventh round picks. It's always kind of a crapshoot whether they're going to make the team or not. But I I mean, based on what I've seen so far, I absolutely think that DJ Ivy is is pushing guys like Alan George and guys like that out of out of their spots and, and possibly taking that spot where he'll be a, a special teams contributor and a backup cornerback or, or, you know, a cornerback in, you know, dime packages or prevent, you know, stuff like that. So. Yeah, I agree with Jason. I think if one thing that we've all learned over the last few years is an underrated position for depth is, is the, is the cornerback spot and you need all the depth that you can get there. And if you can get some, some quality, some quality time out of a seventh round guy like DJ Ivy that he brings to the table to, to, to light some fire under the other guys. I mean, I think that's absolutely massive. And, and, you know, you never know how injuries are going to roll out throughout the season. And if you have some guys that have shown that they could potentially step up and they're practicing against guys like Jamar Chase, T Higgins, Irv Smith, Tyler Boyd, all these guys that are quality guys that they're getting reps against in practice. And, you know, having those guys for game time moments when they need them the most is massive. Yeah, and iron is sharpening iron, apparently, because Jamar Chase is yeah. going up against CTB and, and Turner in various capacities. And the good news, guys, is even without Joe Burrow in the lineup, not saying he's replaceable by any means, but these guys, T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, against starting cornerbacks, against high-end cornerbacks at Back Together, uh, Back Together Saturday and other practices are showing big, big plays still being made with a backup quarterback getting the ball. So again, there's interviews from that, you know, from that uh, on the NFL network and whatnot, where Zach Taylor is saying, you know, the, the expectations Burrow's going to be ready for week one, if not sooner, that sort of thing. But the good news is the offense doesn't seem to be missing a, a, well, I don't, obviously they're missing a beat, but they're still making plays. There, there are still the ability to make plays and move the football down the field because of the other weapons on the team. Right. I think uh, part of that is because you have the best group of wide receivers in the league, the best three starting wide receivers in the NFL. But you also have a much improved offensive line. And obviously the quarterback can't be touched right now. So I'm sure that makes it. I know for me, right. <laughs> if I knew I couldn't be touched, I could probably make a throw or two. Um, but, but we should, we should, that, we should put that to the test, man. We should no, put that to the no, test. No, we shouldn't. We shouldn't. We just let me say it and not prove it. But we'll call uh, up the Bengals and see if we can arrange yeah, something. You know, yeah, I don't, I don't want to do that at all. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, I, I think that that having the best three wide receivers help, having a much improved offensive line helps. I've seen some some uh, some footage of of Irv, Irv Smith Jr. making a couple really acrobatic catches. I think he's going to be the mo- the best pass catching tight end that Burroughs had in his young career. Um, 
but it's just a ton of talent, just loaded on talent on offense. And even with a backup quarterback, it, it's not like these guys are, you know, high school quarterbacks and they're, they're professionals. They, they know what to do. It's just going to be that much more deadly with Joe Burrow. So, but the wide receiver, having the three best wide receivers in the NFL is just going to make guys like Cam Taylor Britt, um, you know, he's, and he, you know, he's got a year under his belt, but he's young, but DJ Turner, DJ Ivy, Chidobe Awuzie, it's just going to make them better throughout the year. So it's exciting. Yeah, I agree. I think one of the most exciting things I saw from from Back Together Saturday was seeing Irv Smith kind of show his athleticism because his career's just been drowned by injury. And if the Bengals, if any team can get a, you know a one year guy a, a quality season, it's it's the Bengals. You look at Hayden Hurst and and you bring in now Irv Smith. If he can stay healthy, I think he could potentially be that swing guy for this offense that can even take it to a bigger level. Also, it helps to have the best offensive line for a team, but still seeing that excitement from Irv Smith, I think is, is really fun to see. Yeah. Talking uh, some Bengals updates, news updates from Friday and up to currently on Monday uh, as we get set to, um, I, I guess we put August 1st on the, on the timeline. Some people will be watching this August 1st, depending on when you're watching it, but we have a lot of people joining us live through various platforms thank you for tuning in live thank you for listening after the fact i'm anthony kazenza with the orange or black insider you're also seeing and hearing the voices of jason garrison from the three and out podcast he does that weekly on cincy jungle and the obi youtube channel and of course patrick carey who you've seen on the tube wnky and in writing now on cincyjungle.com and hopefully more so on our shows and various shows that we do for Cincy Jungle and on this channel. And of course, if you are new here, welcome. You can subscribe down by Patrick and that Cincy Jungle logo in the bottom uh, bottom side of the screen there. Yeah, there you go. I always do That's the same right. thing too. It's like, I know, I, I yeah, it's somewhere down um, there. Uh, yeah. Click that. There. Click, yeah, clips, click subscribe. Click the bell to be notified when we go live, when new content is available. We largely, I mean, we do put out some pre-recorded content, but we do a lot of our shows live. So if you want to join us live, you got to click that bell to be notified when we go live and when new content is available in general, give us a thumbs up. If you like what we're doing on the YouTube side, give a thumbs up to the Cincy jungle Facebook page, because all kinds of stuff is either streaming there, stories are there. Uh, and of course you got to subscribe to the Cincy jungle podcast channel where you can get this show, the three and out show from Jason, uh, some stuff that I don't know, maybe we'll, we'll, we'll have Patrick be doing for us as well. And then of course, Talking Football with Bengal, Jim and Friends, Coach Speak and Chalk Talk for Matt Minnick. We appreciate all the support. Okay, uh, self-commercial self aside, let's let's keep it rolling a little bit. We'll get to a few more stories and hop on out of here. Patrick, how surprised were you that on Friday, before the Joe Burrow news took over the entire planet, um, how surprised were you that the extension that the Bengals agreed to first right. was Trey Hendrickson – a guy who tacked on another year to his contract and added, I think it was $5 million to this year. Um, initially, first blush, it seemed like it was a little bit about year one cap flexibility for these extensions, but maybe not so much. Maybe it was just rewarding a really good player. Uh, maybe some other ancillary benefits for the team as well down the road, but uh, it just seemed like, hey, this guy's awesome. We need to pay him and keep him around for at least another year. Yeah, I don't think anybody expected the the extension announcement to have Trey Hendrickson's name on it. But at the same time, I don't think anybody was complaining that it was Trey Hendrickson's name. And, you know, now he's going to be on the other side of Sam Hubbard for the next two years. And I believe both of their contracts will now end at the same time. So, I mean, they've played so well together. You you almost have to keep them together. And 
Trey Hendrickson's done nothing but produce for Cincinnati. He's fought through injuries and all that kind of stuff and still gotten to the quarterback. And, and I feel like the depth at the pass rush, rushing position has only continued to get better, which will in turn help Trey Hendrickson improve even more. So, yeah, the excitement surrounding that is definitely deserving of not going unnoticed, even with the Burrow injury. Jason, your your surprise level of yeah. this this contract. I mean, again, it's rewarding a good player, but here's the thing, and we're going to pull up a story in just a second that's related to this. The Bengals right now have really shifted their mindset as a team and how they operate, wherein they don't really like to put contracts out there to players that are going to be into their 30s. That's going to be the case here with Trey Hendrickson, but I guess in some forms and in some ways, there are always outliers and reasons why you want to give some of these guys the extra deal to keep them around longer. Yeah, I was a little bit surprised. Uh, I mean, it, it was kind of on, I think Joe Goodberry put on there, like there's an extension coming. It's not the name that you're expecting. I think I saw that on Twitter before it came out. I thought it might be DJ Reader. You know, he's entering his contract year. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm stoked. I'm, I'm very happy that Trey Henderson, he's led the team in sacks the last two seasons. He's been a great 4-3 edge rusher for the Bengals. Uh, you know, he's, he's getting, like you said, they don't, you know, typically extend guys when they're going to be in their 30s, but they just drafted. Uh, Miles Murphy, who might help spell um, Trey Hendrickson a little bit where he's not on the field as much, you know, making him more uh, effective later in the season and helping his career last a little bit longer. So I'm, I'm very excited just keeping him here, spreading that cap hit out over another year, you know, helping them possibly. Well, I, I Burrow's going to get extended either way, but helping them maybe keep T Higgins uh, in town, you know, along with Jamar Chase when yeah. he's eligible next year. Yeah, and I mean, I, I think who was it that uh, said it here in the in the live chat here? Uh, oh, Jerry Lowell um, saying Hendrickson won't be gassed like he was okay. last year with yeah. all the depth, and that's the yeah. hope. Not only him, but Hubbard. I mean, that's the hope with these guys mm-hmm. bringing. I mean, and, and you, it's not just you know normal, you know, kind of. I guess I don't know what you would call it, wear and tear, or just normal fatigue based on a regular. I mean, these guys have played extensive. Pro seasons. I mean, you're tacking on an extra three or four games to the regular season. And oh, by the way, I mean, it's like, hey, since you're productive, we're going to give you the line. And, and, you know, also injuries to Larry Ogunjobi to kind of affect the rotation along the line. I mean, we got it. We got to get productive pass rushing snaps where we can. And so, yeah, Yeah. to Jerry's point there. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, that that's kind of been the the issue with Hendrickson, I guess, and, and Hubbard as well. I mean, they've still produced and made big, big, big plays in the postseason, but you could tell towards the end, man, it's, I mean, uh, the the volume of snaps has really kind of shown. And then of course here, you, you mentioned his name, Jason, the Bengals have not um, approached DJ reader on a contract extension yet. And he's a guy who is entering a contract year, a guy who's had some injury stuff, but, um, you know, when he's in there, he is a dominator, to say the least. Yeah. Um, and, and DJ Reader kind of expressed that he's not been approached by the Bengals about an extension. Well, DJ Reader, not himself, but sources told Kelsey Conway. Are you surprised about that, Patrick? I mean, I again, he's kind of going to be the, one of those guys that would enter into, you know, if, if, if he gets a new contract, he's going to be the guys, a guy that's going to be in his early 30s. Right. I mean, and that's kind of one of those kryptonite things right now that this brain trust is saying, we're not doing that because we don't want these albatross contracts and, and, you know, years at the end of a contract where the player's not as productive. So they're shying away from that. But this guy has been just a a changer for this team, for this team and this defense. 
Yeah, no, 100%. And I'm going to go out and say this. I think DJ Reader is the most underrated football player in the National Football League. Now, I might be a little biased when I say that because he doesn't seem to always be in the conversations for, you know, one of the top defensive tackles in the NFL. And I think he is one of those guys because every time he's in there, I mean, my goodness, you've seen the clips where he throws offensive linemen off of him and still makes the tackle. And there's just something about DJ Reader that is so important to this offense or to this defense, excuse me. And but the question then shifts to, well, if you want to pay Burrow, you want to pay Higgins, you want to pay Jamar Chase, there is going to be some of these guys that aren't going to be able to to get a slice of that pie. And you do have to start wondering who those guys are going to be. Now, personally, I hope it's not DJ Reader, but, you know, not approaching him yet is sort of a concern. Yeah, it, it yeah. is. And, and oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go for it. I was going to say it, it is, and I totally agree with you. DJ Reader is among the um, most valuable defensive linemen in the league, maybe the best nose tackle, like like true nose tackle in the NFL. And no one ever talks about him outside of Cincinnati Bengals fans. Um, when he's in the game, the defense just works differently. I mean, there's no there's no running against him, and we saw what he did against you know Derrick Henry, and it's just amazing what he's able or take on double teams the way that he does, and. Jermaine Pratt and Logan Wilson have found more success over the last couple of years because DJ Reader is occupying so many of those offensive linemen in front of them, freeing them up to play, you know, just to play freer. I used that word way too many times in that last sentence, but um, yeah, but uh, but yeah, he's he's amazing. I and I understand, you know, maybe they're worried about well, we don't want to extend guys and be in their thirties, but you know, they just extended Trey Hendrickson for one year. I see no issue extending. DJ Reader for for one or two years, uh, you know he, I think he'd be thirty one if they extend him for for two years. I think he'll be thirty this year. Um, but on top of all that, there's no depth behind him. You know, right. uh, I thought maybe they would they would look at at uh, a kind of a nose tackle guy in the draft this year. They didn't. They didn't do anything in free agency. They have Josh Tope. Is it Topu or Tupo? I terrible. Tupo. They have yeah. Tupo. Yeah, they have Josh Tupo there. Um, but that's that's about it. And there's a big drop off after DJ Reader if he if he goes down. But when he's healthy, this defense, Lou Anarumo's system just works much, much better than when he's not healthy. So keeping him in yeah. Cincinnati, I think, is is borderline mandatory. I agree. Yeah. 100%. Yep. Um, well, we talked about how Bengals um, Bengals cornerbacks, rookie cornerbacks are impressing. One of their veteran guys and a guy who was, you know, I mean, he had some ups and downs, but was quietly, quietly very important to their success over the past couple of years. Of all places, Eli Apple ends up in Miami with yeah. Tyree Kill after Tyree Kill just went on this tirade about him. I think it was just last year, right? So now they are teammates. Eli Apple is now in Miami Dolphin, and that is in part uh, the Bengals decided not to pursue Eli Apple because they've kind of invested heavily in young cornerbacks and they went the Sidney mm-hmm. Jones route this offseason. Uh, just went younger. They got younger and potentially even a little, a little quicker, a little more athletic. But Eli Apple is going to the Dolphins in response to the Jalen Ramsey injury. I think that's a meniscus. He had surgery on it and he's going to miss a bit of time. Probably should be back still at some point this season. But uh, I just thought more or less this was just funny and there's got to there's going to be some stuff that's going to have to be worked out here i would assume <laughs> right i i mean i don't know how you get past that i mean i, I guess you just kind of laugh it off i i don't know it's uh yeah it's an aggressive I, I guess, video yeah 
I think I saw Eli Apple tweeted that he he's he spoke with Tyreek Hill in the locker room, and their lockers are maybe across the the, the locker room from each other, and everything's everything's all good. But the first image I saw in my mind when they enter the practice field is just I don't know if you guys remember. It's a pretty old Seinfeld reference, but uh, when George and Jerry got in a fist fight where they were both wearing the same softball uniform, um, just just that kind of thing. Just how, how can these two guys work together? But uh, I'm happy for Eli Apple. I really am. I, I was hoping that the Bengals would find a way to, to make room for him. I understand why they why they didn't, you know, with DJ Ivy, DJ uh, Turner in the draft, Chidobe Awuzie, you know, he went on Pup and came off Pup like immediately. There, there's really no need uh, for Eli Apple, but he outperformed every expectation I think every Bengals fan had for him in his two or two, yeah, two years in Cincinnati. He's a big part of the reason they went deep into the playoffs. Um, you know, when Trey Waynes, when that didn't work out, Elon Apple kind of scooped in and, and swooped in and saved the Bengals. Absolutely. For their secondary. I thought he was, he was excellent. And I loved, I loved the trash talk. I do. I, I had fun with it. You know, it's good stuff. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I, th- I don't think, I think it's all fun for these guys. I, I don't think Tyreek Hill and, and Eli Apple are going to have, you know, bad blood after all that. But I will say the Tyreek Hill video was – it was different, to say the least. I don't think anybody was expecting <laughs> him to go full mode, you know, I owe you, I you owe me or something, whatever he said. But, uh, no, I think Eli Apple during his time in Cincinnati exceeded all expectations, like Jason said. And so. I think it's great for him. I think, you know, he, he really struggled to start his career and he needed an opportunity to kind of just get his footing back in the national football league. And I think playing under Luana Rumo, he did that. And I think he did it successfully. You know, I don't, he didn't have massive eye poppy numbers, but he also wasn't getting cooked every single play. And, you know, you just need one of those guys like that. And Eli Apple did fill that void when Trey Waynes was, was a disaster. And uh, I, you know, and Eli Apple went against Jamar Chase, T Higgins, Tyler Boyd in practice. So, when I'm seeing Barstool Sports put out how, you know, Eli Apple is going to get cooked in practice by Tyreek Hill, I was like, well, let's not let's not shy away from the fact that he was also going against three top receivers as well every day sure. in practice here in Cincinnati. Yep, and a lot of top quarterbacks, a lot of top talent in the AFC. But, yeah, um, a guy that uh, – and this is also a little bit why I, I have – some hope and some faith in Sidney Jones having kind of a renaissance, right? I mean, he's a former high pick, uh, good, uh, a lot of good profile to him and his background. And you kind of hope that, Hey, you know, the Luan Rumo effect takes place there. And maybe there's, you know, you're kind of on your last leg in the league, so to speak, or, or one of your last legs in the league. And so you got to do your thing. Um, we're going to get out of here with just a couple of other pieces of news and notes. And in case, I, I don't know if you guys have seen any of these, these are just, kind of some stories from the AFC North. Um, Patrick Queen is looking, quote, locked in during a contract year. Um, and so he has been a guy that, obviously, if you could look back, I mean, that was a guy a lot of Bengals fans wanted if he had fallen to um, to them. And he has had some ups and downs. They've moved him around to kind of make him more comfortable, maybe not overthink some things or over overthink what the assignments are. Um, but he is in a contract year and supposedly – um, he is looking pretty good. The quote here at the end of the day, I get to play football in the National Football League. So that's a blessing in itself. Um, that was from Patrick Queen himself. Quote, I talked to Harbs, who is John Harbaugh. I talked to Eric. Everything is good and settled right now. I'm not focused on the contract. I'm just looking to play ball. At the end of the day, I, I get to play football and make my market what I want it to be. I'm not stressing anything. I'm going out there, having fun with my te- teammates, fun with my um, 
fun with my coaches and you see here Harbaugh believes Queens men, Queens mentality uh, and, fi- and is physically prepared to have his best season while well, he probably should. But also guys, as we know, uh, the linebacker market, whether you're an off ball or inside or whatever, it's all over the place. Um, yeah. And so, I mean, his teammate just got a huge payday. So, uh, and then Pratt, a guy who's a really solid player, you kind of felt like, man, that was an easier contract to swallow than you would have anticipated, right? So, sure. Um, I mean, the linebacker contract market has been all over the place. Yeah, uh, Pratt. Pratt's contract was was lower than I expected it to be. I actually expected them just to kind of let him test the market and walk because they had to worry about Logan Wilson. They got to worry about T. Higgins. I was very pleasantly surprised that they brought uh, a Pratt back. And if they can find a way to hold on to, to Logan Wilson, they'd keep uh, one of the best duo of linebackers, like especially pass coverage linebackers in, in the NFL uh, together. But yeah, I, you know, Queen should have the best. He's got some experience now, you know. Um, we'll see what Baltimore can do with him. I, I don't know if they can afford him after they signed. Um, I just totally blanked on Roquan. Yeah, 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 yeah. After they signed him, I, he signed for absurd. Over yeah, absurd over million dollars. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think it was what 20, 20 plus mil a year or something like yeah, that. Just uh, nuts. Value. Yeah, just Yeah, yeah, yeah. Going uh, to Patrick Queen. Go for it. No, I was just going to say the one thing about Patrick Queen for me is I really – I loved him at LSU. He was one of those guys that yeah. I was really hoping the Bengals were going to pursue. Um, and it was kind of one of those gut punches when he went to the AFC North and yeah. he went to the Ravens, who's always had such a tenacious defense. And I really thought he was going to absolutely ball out and just be an absolute force. Um, and I think that this is one of those years where he has really nothing to lose um, with how he's kind of struggled this season. And that, that's a scary thing for me to think about after how fun he was to watch um, at LSU with all the confidence that he had. And that yeah. team was just – that Tigers team was just absolutely loaded with stars yep. all over the place. Uh, I'm just going to go quickly here. This is the Steelers from um, Steelers.com. Matt Canada sees plenty to be the offensive coordinator sees plenty to build on with the Steelers offense. The quote here, I think if you look at rookies and you talk about picks and those things, other really, really talented players who have gone on to, to have tremendous careers, the rookie season might not have been great. Um, and I think he's talking about Kenny Pickett in, in reference to this. And of course, Kenny Pickett, um, I, I think they still had a, a winning season here, obviously, but uh, Pickett, uh, didn't have a great statistical season, at least comparative to touchdowns, interceptions, all of that. Um, you see here, you look at you look at having a winning season. There's a lot to build upon. That by no means is good enough. We have to score more points. We have to be more explosive. Um, so he goes on and on here. Uh, you know, Patrick, I th- there are big names on this offense. There are some scary names potentially on this offense, but there's also a bit of I, I don't know if I want to say underachievement, but I mean, you look at the Chase. Uh, yeah, I mean, you look at the Chase Claypool thing that didn't work out. Uh, Najee Harris is kind of real up and down, and then of course you had right. some nice flashes from Pickens last year as a rookie. Um, you know, Deontay Johnson has some nice moments too. So I mean, it's just kind of a lot of, like you said, inconsistency, ups and downs. Yeah, I, the Steelers are always going to scare me. I don't think that's any secret yeah. for anybody. And you know, I think I saw Kenny Pickett kind of just develop in his rookie season into into almost a game manager. To say to say the least in, in his rookie season, and um, they they always have some some scary weapons. I think George Pickens has a lot of potential to to be a good receiver, especially in the AFC North. Um, but the question is just going to be whether the offense can put it together because last season we did not see a successful 
bonding of them putting it all together. Yeah, the, the Steelers, this this reminds me, the Steelers remind me now of what they looked like in the 90s before Ben Roethlisberger showed up and they came became like an offensive powerhouse. You know, back when they had Cordell Stewart and the bus and they just ran the ball all the time, but they played great defense and they were well coached. You know, that's they have a great defense, great pass rush. T.J. Watt, I think, is maybe the best edge rusher in, in the NFL, best three, four defense, or well outside linebacker uh, when it comes to pass rushing in the NFL. Um, they have a couple, you know, they have Cam Hayward, who's probably a Hall of Famer, you know. Um, they have good weapons on the outside. They brought in Allen Robinson, but we don't know what he's going to do. I mean, I thought he'd blow up with the Rams, and he didn't. Um, but they brought in Allen Robinson. They have George Pickens, uh, Deontay Johnson. Pat Fryermuth is, is a really, really underrated pass-catching tight end. It's just it's all going to depend on uh, uh, Kenny Pickett. If, if he can take – I thought he put some good games together in the second half, and he was efficient. I don't want to say that he, you know, should have won offensive MVP or anything, offensive rookie of the year or anything like that, but he was efficient, didn't make too many mistakes. If he comes in and he builds upon that, you know, and it also depends on their offensive line a lot. Um, so they have some weapons, you know, they got Washington in the draft, which I didn't like seeing that. I was kind of hoping the Bengals would grab him, um, but, you know, we'll see what happens. But I think that of the teams in the AFC North that scare me the most, obviously the Ravens do. Uh, and then, but the Steelers and the Browns, I could see both of those teams pushing for a wild card spot. I really could. Yeah, competitive, competitive division. Uh, I'm not going to go too far in depth in this because this is more kind of a um, you know people. I'll, I'll pin this in the live chat here for folks, but this is just more the Browns announced the unofficial depth chart for the Hall of Fame game versus the Jets. And interesting, I mean, I, granted, it's the first preseason game, so it'll probably be pretty ugly. But I mean, given the the expectations surrounding both these teams, a pretty intriguing game uh to kick off the the nfl preseason here but i you know i mean you guys can look at this and oh by the way you mentioned quality defensive ends or quality edge rushers in the nfl there's there's a really good one right yeah. there in miles garrett but uh there's and another one they added on the others yeah yeah they, they added another one on the other side there so check this out you can kind of see and get get familiar with their or re-familiar with the names there not a ton of surprises but you know some new names and different different uh players on this team of course the great Denzel Ward and Newsom in there on the on the defensive side of the ball. So um, you can check that out there. Not not a ton to talk about with that, but it is worth mentioning so that people can go and check that out. Well, that's probably going to do it with us, unless you guys have some final thoughts and things that we missed that you feel like we should touch on for this headline show. I'm just excited. I mean, it's the the preseason officially starts Sunday. Is, is the Hall of Fame game on Sunday? I think. And then, uh, you know, the, the rest of the preseason will kick off next weekend. So it's, it's just exciting. Football's finally back. I, I love watching the Reds. Patrick, are you in Cincinnati or are you? I'm, I'm in Bowling Green in Kentucky, okay. but I okay. do keep up with the Reds a lot. They've been a lot of fun this year. And they've made, they've made the summer go yeah. by a oh, little yeah. quicker because I feel like when I don't have the Bengals, I'm kind of just sitting here twiddling my thumbs, yep. just waiting for September to roll around. But then you get Ellie De La Cruz and Matt McClain and all yep. these guys are like, hey, we're here too. And. I think all Cincinnati fans desperately needed the Reds to turn oh, yeah. it up when they did with how well the Bengals have done. Yep. Yeah, I've watched really, more fun as hell. Yeah. Oh yeah. I've watched more Reds baseball this summer than I've watched in the last 10 years combined, probably. So I'm just excited. They're here to help me, uh, you know, hand it off to the, uh, to the Bengals and, and we'll get rolling next week. It's, it's exciting. Football yep. season, baby. 
Yep, that's right. Well, you see there, Jason can be followed at JasonRG83. I'm at CJAnthonyCUI. The podcast is at Bengals OBI. Patrick, since this is your first time, again, give us a little bit of your background, where people can follow you, find your work, and all that good stuff. Yeah, I'm a sports anchor here in Bowling Green for the NBC station. I grew up in Lexington, so I grew up just a diehard Bengals fan. Um, wasn't much to brag about growing up, but here we are in 2023, and I can proudly say that I'm a big Bengals fan. Um, I, uh, it's really, I mean, it's pretty much sports for me. That's all I got. Really. I got two dogs, um, getting married, <laughs> getting married in October. Congrats. Um, Congrats. Congrats. High school sweetheart. So she's back here somewhere running around. I, I, but, I saw a, a figure um, hovering behind you. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 So that, that's, that's kind of the big thing going on. Um, and then, yeah, on Twitter, I'm pretty active on Twitter. I'm always talking Bengals on Twitter, uh, at Pat Carey sports. Um, I'm just there to have fun and, and keep my passion for Cincinnati alive on there. Well, thank, thank you guys both for coming on a little bit uh, short notice. Thank you guys. And I know, Patrick, you were also hustling from another gig, but I appreciate you both. You both have been uh, great assets to Cincy Jungle, to our podcast channel and everything. So I, I appreciate this. Looking forward to doing some more stuff with you, Patrick, particularly right. in season on the podcast. Looking forward to more shows from you, Jason. And uh, we appreciate what you guys do. We appreciate all the live listeners. We have a lot through the various channels in which we stream. Um, and of course, uh, thank you for watching after the fact or listening after the fact on your favorite streamer. Take care, everybody. We'll be back, uh, at least on this show, we'll be back, John Sheeran and myself, to talk midweek about all kinds of different things. Uh, we'll try not to rehash all this kind of stuff, but hey, we'd like to deep dive into all this kind of stuff. And then, of course, another episode of 3 and Out coming out, as well as some other great shows from Bengal Jim, Matt Minnick, and get all of your news, opinions, analysis, mostly from these guys. I pitch in every once in a while, but mostly from these guys on Cincy Jungle, as well as a slate of other great writers. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you, and uh, we'll have you guys on again soon, and we'll, we'll talk some more Bengals and news and all kinds of fun stuff. Hopefully some brighter news. Good God. Hopefully yeah. some brighter stuff. Yeah. But, uh, hey, we had to talk about it. Take care, everybody.